Welcome to Peaceful Ease. We all have the necessary strength and wisdom to solve most of our problems. What we often lack is a quiet space to think clearly and calmly. This podcast is all about tapping into that zone of inner wisdom. My name is Mario Pereca, and I'd like to invite you to join myself and Ela Crane every Monday and Friday. We'll be here to guide you to that endless power and insight within until you learn how to get there and function from there by yourself. This is a journey about being authentic, learning how to trust your instincts, realizing that each and every one of us are not just enough, but also perfect the way we are right now. Hey everyone, Mario Pereca here, and as always, I am joined by Ela Crane, and we'd like to welcome you to the Peaceful Ease podcast. As always, you can reach us via the Peaceful Ease hotline, 24-7-365. Anything you want to add to the show, any comments, questions, ideas, we'd love to hear from you. That number, 424-625-5562. You can email us, podcast at peacefulease.com, and you can visit Peaceful Ease online for all things Peaceful Ease at peacefulease.com. Ela, I am so excited for part two of your interview with Barbara Corellis today. What do you have going on? Well, this episode is very special because we talk about teenagers and sex education. And after listening to this episode, I realized that I happened to experience the right way that Barbara was describing about. So growing up in Turkey, sex was and still I think is a topic that nobody wants to talk about. It's just like pushed under the carpet as much as possible. But my mother, being a very unique individual and very independent, she never talked me about it, but she bought a bunch of books for me to read when I was a teenager. So it was very informative. They were very factual and written for teenagers. So it was like very light, but very helpful to understand what was happening to my body as I grew up. And all this information, of course, I shared with my friends. And I was the most knowledgeable one, in a way, because nobody else talked about it. So this episode with Barbara, we discuss what's the best way that she thinks around dealing with sex and talking to teenagers around sex. And I must admit that it's very close to my experience. So I was very happy to hear that in some ways it was the healthy way without meaning to what I experienced was the healthy way to start this journey. So you, without even knowing it, you were actually like the teenage sex guru <laughs> when you were in school. No, I wouldn't say that because I also had the pressure from society. So I could never ask questions if I had questions or about what I read or I could never openly discuss anything but between friends at least I could answer some questions or I could say no that's a myth it's not that way it's this way so I was lucky but it wasn't like any kind of freedom one other thing I want to mention Ela because I listened to the interviews and one thing that stood out to me that you talked about that you actually said in the interview changed your life was allowance versus permission. Yeah. Do you want to touch on that just for a minute to kind of tee that up before we play the interview? Actually, Barbara mentioned this video, which I watched after the interview. It's like a 45-minute video, and we are definitely linking to it. So please see this video on YouTube. We will link to it in the show notes. 
And it's really, really interesting. It's very complicated. I think I will have to watch it a few times to kind of describe you what it is. But just to have a very brief introduction, it's really about permission and allowance and the fact that most of the time we allow things. We allow people to do things to us, not only around sex, but in our relationships, whereas we are not even aware of the difference. And there's another option, you know, permitting or asking. And this video also talks about giving and taking. And it's a very beautifully created differentiation. So when you listen to this episode, you will hear some aspects of this, but the actual video, the actual explanation will come from the video that we will share. I'm going to go back and watch that video because I want to see what that's all about because it's just fascinating the way you talked about allowance versus permission. It really gave me some ahas as well, just hearing the examples and the different the ways that Barbara explained that. So just to catch people up, if you didn't hear the first part of the interview, you can go to peacefullease.com and listen to that first part on the podcast. If you did hear it and you're ready for part two, let me just refresh your memory. Barbara's an author, artist, innovator, instigator, and thought leader in the fields of sex, gender, and spirit. She works as a life coach, sex educator, workshop facilitator, university lecturer, and motivational speaker. She wrote, directed, and produced films and educational audio series, and she's also the author of two books, Urban Tantra and Ecstasy is Necessary, the titles of those. She has an amazing, what she calls an unblog on her website. Her website is barbaracorellis.com. You can grab that in the show notes. She founded Urban Tantra, an approach to conscious sexuality, and has lectured at many educational institutions, including Harvard University. In 2016, she was awarded a Sexual Freedom Award for Lifetime Achievement. So again, her website, barbaracorellis.com. You can go there and learn more about her. Let's go. About teenagers. I come from Turkey and I grew up in Turkey and sex wasn't even mentioned. I think when I went to a private school, there was like a brief lecture on sex. We were 14, 15 and they explained the basics, thank God. My mother was very open-minded, so she bought me some books for teenagers explaining what's happening to our bodies, how it's changing, why it's changing and what menstruation is and what's this thing that nobody was talking about. So I was lucky to get the basics, to learn the basics. It wasn't a mystery, but I know it can be a mystery for many teenagers around the world. And it can be a troublesome topic for the parents because they probably didn't receive clear explanations from their parents. And this goes on and on and on. What's your take on this? You know, I have an opinion on this one that may be different from some people because often the question is, you didn't ask it this way, but is how can parents talk to their kids better about sex? Well, they probably can't. In most situations, they're passing down limited information with a whole lot of shame that they have inherited. So parents are probably the least capable people of talking to their kids about sex. <laughs> you know who's really good at talking to kids about sex? Other kids. <laughs> so I advocate peer sexual education. You know how when you're in school, there are kids who are good at engineering and there are kids who are good at math and there's kids who are good at dancing and they're all going to go into those different careers and we encourage that. But kids who are super interested in sex, nobody says, hey, come on over here. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, you bad thing. You're going to get in trouble. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So I want to take all the kids who are passionately interested in sex and take them away from the porn screens for an hour and put them with really strong sex educators. Mm-hmm. People who are like working for, in America, Planned Parenthood, or, I mean, dedicated sex educators, Mm -hmm. and teach them about sex. And then not just the basics, but the basics, plus also point them towards Scarlet Teen. You might want to link to Scarlet Teen. Mm -hmm. Scarlet Teen is the online amazing sex ed resource for teenagers. Mm -hmm. And then send them out into the world to start peer sex support groups and have it be an after-school activity just like teen sports or drama or chorus. You could also get college people to do the same thing on college campuses, or you could have college people, because they're not too much older, come into high schools. But it's got to be peer support. And also, the nice thing about peer support is that you get kids talking to their classmates about sex, which sounds hard, but actually in high school, people are generally having sex with other high school people. And if we can model conversation and talking about it and being embarrassed and getting through it anyway, with the support of your friends, I mean, they talk about other problems, but when it comes to sex, everybody is just about what was on porn. There are some few groups that they're like porn addiction. I'm using air quotes for that support groups where kids get to say, you know, I'm watching porn and I'm wondering why my girlfriend won't do that with me. And somebody has to say, because that's not real life. Mm -hmm. That's not how it works. And the person asking the question is not shamed. Yeah. So I think peer support groups have the potential to start erasing the shame that we keep passing down generation to generation. Absolutely. And as you describe it, I can't even imagine the impact such peer education would have on teenagers and how it would change their children's lives. Exactly. We need to shortcut. We need to break this chain and not gradually, like radically. And if people doubt that teenagers are up for this, I really invite them to look at the teenagers who are out there against gun violence, who are out there against climate destruction. Most of what has been changed for the good in my lifetime has come from a youth movement. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not perfect, but there is so much untapped potential there that we're wasting when it comes to sex education. I don't think the problem would be with teenagers, but with the parents, because they hold the shame. And for them to allow their children to have such education, they need to change first. I don't think we want to talk about it as education. It's sort of like, I should be telling my kids what to think about sex. (laughs) But I think peer support group around sexuality and relationships. Mm -hmm. And I'm imagining that what might be challenging, but maybe not. I was going to say that it might be challenging for parents to let their budding sex educators go to study. Mm -hmm. But then I thought to myself, wait, these are probably people who are not wildly comfortable to talk about sex to the extent their kid wants to actually explore sex. And the last person their kid wants to talk to is them. Mm -hmm. And we all know this. Mm -hmm. So I think it would actually be a relief if parents felt that 
they could hand off the job to someone truly responsible. Obviously, in the United States, at least, and in other countries, one of the hardest things is to take sexuality apart from religion. Mm-hmm. That's where things get kind of sticky. Yeah. But, you know, it's possible. It exists, I know, in some Hasidic Jewish communities where there are small support groups that nobody really hardly knows about. I got this from a therapist where they discuss how to do sexuality within the rules of a conservative Jewish religion. Mm -hmm. So you could actually have a conversation about sex and still have it within a religious context if you wanted to in public. So it is possible. It is possible. In public schools, obviously, we would not want to do that. But you could. It's better than having no sex education. Mm -hmm. But your sex ed. Start it now. Start it now. Is there anything similar to these support groups you are mentioning? Is there such a movement already, at least in the U.S.? Yeah, there is. I just got a call from a college in Florida asking me to come speak. And it was from the college age person attending that school who was the leader of the sexuality peer support organization. Beautiful. So they're starting. They're starting. I think we need to shine lights on them and encourage that at least at the college level and then hope it trickles down. Well, more than trickles down. People need to be willing to stand up at their school committee and say, I think this would be a good idea. Can I start it? And then take responsibility for it. Yeah. I guess this is where your work splits into two major areas, right? One is like how, what to do, what not to do. And one is like how to feel about it, what's, what's not wrong about it and the theory aspect. People ask me what I do for a living. I say I give people permission and possibilities. <laughs> That's true. That's very accurate. (laughs) Yeah. And in the end, we give that permission to ourselves, but we have to learn it, like model it through someone because we weren't given that permission from our parents. So I guess you act like the role model until someone gets and says, ah, okay, I'm allowed to do this. I can allow myself to do this. Yeah. In my book, Ecstasy is Necessary, I have a sexual permission slip where you give yourself permission to do or not do sex in a variety of different situations and ways. That sounds like reparenting a bit around sex. Yeah, it is like reparenting. You're right. I never thought of that, but we need that too, I guess, reparenting around sex and money, for instance, that's another topic that no one educates us and we end up modeling after our parents or trying to figure out things by ourselves and it creates such chaos. So these two areas. I'd really like to see money support. We would have to figure out how to make it sexy. (laughs) Sexy money support group. Yeah, right. You know, because gosh, you know, maybe not in high school, although I'd like to see it there, but certainly in college. Mm -hmm. God, it's so important. And there's actually room for it in high schools, Mm -hmm. in the business classes that are usually really not very helpful at all. Mm -hmm. That's where they could teach it how to manage money. Yeah, absolutely. So we kind of spread the seeds through this episode that there is need for this too and see what comes up. (laughs) (laughs) Hint, hint, listeners. Hint, hint. Get moving. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. I have one final question for you, Barbara. Going back to adults and relationships and sex life, I'm just curious, what is the most common complaint you hear from people you work with who are in a relationship? Especially, I think if you're single, maybe it's like finding a relationship could be one common complaint. But then when you find a relationship, the complaints don't end. And is there such a thing that, that there is one thing that people often come to you with? I think probably it'll be something along the lines of they just don't get it. I've tried to explain this a whole lot of different ways, but they just don't get it. Or... You mean their partners don't get it? Yeah, that would be the complaint. My partner doesn't get it, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Don't get it, and it's usually about differing levels of interest in sex or different desires, unmatched desires. I don't want to do this. They want to do that all the time. They never want to do this. I want to do that more. They're not romantic enough. In other words, somebody's not doing something enough or somebody's doing something too much. Mm -hmm. And there's no easy answer to that because what I do is not look at them as a couple. Mm -hmm. I look at them as two individual people and we start with, okay, why do you do sex? Somebody might say, well, I do it for the connection to my partner. That's what it's all about for me. The partner might say, I do it to get closer to my inner wisdom, or I do it to get closer to my spiritual source. Now, once we know that, <laughs> we can see why there might be a mismatch. For example, somebody wants total connection. Somebody else is either going within or connecting to a spirit guide and nobody's getting their needs met. One's feeling held back, the other one's feeling abandoned. And so then we try to work with the underlying, how we can make a satisfying connection between people who have different values around sex. And I guess there, there will be issues around permission and allowance too. You know, if people have different ideas and different goals or different reasons why they have sex. Once we've asked that basic question, we can start asking other basic questions. Like you're saying, what's okay with you? What's not? Why do you say he's not romantic enough? What do you mean by that? And we start defining our terms and chunking it down into doable action. And that way, the partner who's being accused of being, shall we say, unromantic, knows that what their partner means by that is undivided attention, a romantic gift, or a sensual massage, whatever. But what does it mean? So I think defining our terms and talking about why we do sex, what we get out of it, are really, really helpful places to start. Yeah. And defining our terms, you were the first person who kind of created this awareness in me, the difference between allowance and permission. Right. Could you please expand on that? Because that was a life changer for me. It started with, I got to throw credit here to Betty Martin and her will of consent. People can, if you can link to that, people will sure. learn more about it. But if we are receiving eagerly and openly and with a big heart and we're like, yes, I am open to receive this, that is one kind of being 
that you're giving someone permission. I am asking for this and I'm giving you permission to give it to me. Allowing is really something you're doing for the other person. Allowing is, well, if you really want to dip me in chocolate and lick it off my body, you know, that's not really my turn on, but I can see how that would bring you so much pleasure. I'll let you do it. But often we do a lot of allowing unconsciously. It's like, oh, well, they're having a good time. I don't want to ruin it for them. Is there any gender bias here? Like do women allow more? You know, it's easy to say that women do more allowing than men, but I don't think it's actually true. Mm -hmm. When I work with men, I've seen some pretty lousy receivers who are essentially, men are a little more conditioned to ask for what they want, but Mostly because we have this communication imbalance, men will do something that they think their partner likes. Mm -hmm. The partner interprets it as, well, he's doing something that he's getting off on, so I don't want to say anything. And nobody's getting their needs met. Exactly. And the ability to ask for what you want doesn't mean you will receive it properly or you can. Yeah. And it's sort of like, I would like to receive this. Does that sound good to you? Essentially, you're saying, are you willing to do this? Mm -hmm. And that person has the right to say no or no, but we could do this and get into a conversation. Some people like to start with a yes, no, maybe list. And if you just Google that, you'll see it's lists of possible sexual things you can do. And then you can check yes, no, maybe next to all of them and then swap lists. It's fun, but it's really down to practice. If you have been allowing your whole life and done very little eager, conscious receiving, It's going to take practice to slip out of that pattern. And to do it, you need to just slow way down. Slow way down and make an agreement with your partner that this is an experiment. I think anytime we try something new sexually, it would be really helpful to look at it as an experiment. Let's just try it. Let's see what happens. It takes the pressure off. If it doesn't work, we'll abandon it. You know? Mm-hmm. And we are conditioned to sacrifice or allow, you no? Know, like even for this podcast, the most downloaded episode is on sacrifice. Really? We will also link to that. Well, yeah, sacrifice versus giving. When I try to make this differentiation, how different they are. This is the most downloaded episode. And it was interesting to see because I think it's not just around sex. We just allow things happen to us. We allow people to talk with us in a way that we don't want to be talked to. We allow people to hug us whether or not we want to be hugged. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we we allow so much. And that's a very difficult practice when you grow up allowing things to build that personality that will say, I do not approve of this, not being rude or angry or outrageous, but just just holding a boundary. Yeah, that boundary clear. That's a very difficult practice. Do you have any advice for that? Sherry Huber writes many wonderful things, but one of the things I like most that she said was the way you do anything is the way you do everything. She's a Buddhist writer, and this is where Tantra and Buddhism meet where they do often. Tantra basically says, go into anything totally enough and you'll come out on the other side transformed, not only in that issue, but in so many other ways. 
And sex is a really good place to practice this. And when you get it right in sex, because sex is so intimate and so powerful, it's really easy to do it in the rest of your life. Conversely, you could apply that to anything. If you learn how to do that in a work situation, let's just say, you can apply the same learning, the same muscle memory to sexual situations. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on kind of where you want to start. But pick one, pick an area, and get really good at communicating what you want, what you don't want, holding boundaries, saying yes more often to things you really want, things like that. Yeah, or even defining what you like more, you know, and, and knowing it for yourself and it being able to express it. Yeah, when somebody comes in for a hug and you're not really into it and you find yourself in the hug, you can take a moment and go, okay, now am I enjoying this or am I not? It's just like a mindfulness exercise around this one specific area. And if you are, you know, okay, I'm kind of a hug person. Maybe I'll go into that more intentionally next time. Or, you know what? I hate it when people hug me without asking. Now I smell like their aftershave. I hate that. <laughs> Don't you hate that? Practice boundaries. Mm -hmm. Barbara, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I've been wanting to have you as a guest for a long time now and it worked out finally. So I'm grateful for you being here and talking with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a great discussion. <laughs> I hope to have you again over until next time. Until next time. Bye. All right, Ela, that was great. That closes off our interview with Barbara and I mean, just from part one and part two, I learned a lot about sex relationships, um, looking at it in different perspectives. And what was really interesting, too, when you talked about the teenage type thing, how she, again, and you said this, but I want to reiterate it because I think it's fascinating how her advice or her experience said to let the teens talk about it. Let them talk about it amongst themselves. Don't let the parents bring their baggage to their teenagers. Yeah, and it wasn't that bad. I remember because when I mentioned we have like a sex coach coming for an interview and you were also like, ah, are you sure? And I was the same. And I knew people would benefit from her perspective. And I really liked doing things like pushing limits and borders, including my own. So I really hope as listeners, they enjoyed it, they learned something. And if you have any questions, yeah, please get in touch with Barbara or with us and we will be in touch with Barbara and hopefully she will join us again next year. Yeah, I mean, that was great. I love that you are bringing these topics on because we talk a lot on Peacefully's about, well, emotional health is what the show is really all about, but we talk a lot about not being non-judgmental, being open. And this is like an exercise in that you being able to bring on topics that at first glance people could judge or be weary of, but then present them in such a way that it's like, wow, I really learned something very, very helpful and I want to learn more. Yeah. And I think if we covered emotional health without covering intimacy, That wouldn't be a complete picture. I agree. So this was awesome. I want to thank Barbara again for coming on. And I want to acknowledge you, Hila, for doing a fantastic interview. Thank you. I remember when we first started Peacefully's, when we first started the podcast, and this was all new. And within less than a year, you're doing fantastic interviews. Thank you. It's been six months, exactly. No, we started June the 2nd or 3rd, mm -hmm. yeah. 
And I feel like I grew so much thanks to this podcast and our listeners and all the emails we get from you and your guidance, Mario. So thank you so much. And it's been an adventure and I look forward to having more guests over. And I think we will soon have someone that I'm very, very excited to have, but I will keep it a surprise. So Please stay tuned in and thank you for listening to us. I love the teaser. <laughs> just, give, just enough to keep us on the edge of our seats. And I would remind people that they can always call us on the Peaceful Ease hotline if you wanted to you know, add anything or ask any questions. If you have any questions for Barbara, for Ela from the interview, 424-625-5562 is that number. Podcast at PeacefulEase.com. Email us anytime. PeacefulEase.com is, of course, the website. Ila, again, thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to speaking with you again soon. Speak to you soon, Mario. And for everyone listening there, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Peaceful Ease podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please share it with friends and family. Remember, the bigger the support, the more fun the journey becomes. If you'd like to get in touch with Ila, you can reach out to her at peacefulease.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Until next time, be kind to yourself.